Psalm 105, and I'd like to invite you on a journey. I think this journey will be something that will encourage you, because this journey takes us to a very, a very uh, difficult discipline to ascertain in our lives. There, there are a lot of disciplines that we can be assured of that we do well. We know that we have personal disciplines and, and personal steps that we take every day that we feel we've disciplined ourselves with, but this discipline... The calling to seek God it becomes a discipline of life, becomes an experience that I, I feel many of us might think that we're achieving. And yet when we look at the depth of how the scripture unfolds what it means to seek God, perhaps we are not seeking him as we should. So I'm excited about this brief journey in the 105th Psalm. It was the great preacher, Dwight L. Moody, who said, we ought to see the face of God every morning before we see the face of man. Have you seen the face of God this morning? Does your life become so disciplined and postured that you might truly say, under the metrics of the Scripture, under how the Scripture measures such a discipline, can you say that you are truly seeking God? Psalm 105 verse 4 gives us the emphasis of what the first four verses are attempting to accomplish. Here verse 4 again, Psalm 105 verse 4. Seek the Lord. Seek him for his strength. Seek his face always. Search for the Lord and seek him. The great uh, Christian counselor, Dr. Larry Crabb, uh, and I might say the, the late Dr. Larry Crabb, we appreciate all the contributions he made to Christian counseling. I share this quote with you. Whenever we place a higher priority on solving our problems, more than seeking God, we become immoral. I find this fascinating from someone who, in his own profession, desired to help people solve their problems. But if we place a higher priority on simply solving our problems than pursuing or seeking God, then we can become immoral. And so I invite you into some truths this morning that I believe will help you to understand how God truly desires that we seek Him. I'd like to share with you one imperative, two applications, three facts, and four questions. If you can count to four, you can track this sermon, I think. I'd like to share with you one imperative. The imperative is this. Seek God. This is a strong imperative in the Hebrew because it's plural in its essence, meaning from God's heart to Israel... Seek after me. Now, I love, the, I love the emphasis of Psalm 105 as it mirrors the fourth of five divisions of the book of the Psalms. The Psalter gives us, in five different books, emphases of Israel's history chronicled through the worship leader. Here in Psalm 105, there's no difference. In Psalm 105, references the fourth division of the book of the Psalter, the book of Psalms. 
This fourth division begins in Psalm 90 and concludes in Psalm 106. This entire section of Psalm references Israel's history as documented in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Uh, More specifically, the book of Numbers. And inside of this fourth book, there becomes demonstrated the name Yahweh and Jehovah listed here more than any other of the books. There is an emphasis upon Israel's attention truly turning to Yahweh, to his name, to his essence, to who he truly is as a covenant God for his own people. And so verse 4 gives us one imperative, seek him. And this imperative becomes the strength, not only of Psalm 105, but the entire fourth division of the Psalter, and likely the entire book of the Psalms, foreshadowing Christ our Lord. The entire emphasis of the Gospels, capsuled in Hebrews chapter 1, tells us that in days of old, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets, but now he speaks through the Son who is the effulgence of God. So the radiance of Christ draws us into seeking after God, which becomes the grand fulfillment of this one imperative. Throughout the entirety of Scripture, there is one mandate and one calling, seek after your God. Now I'd like for you to notice something in Psalm 105 as we consider one imperative. In verses 1 and 2, we are called to give thanks to the Lord and to proclaim his deeds and to sing praises of him and his wondrous works. In verse 3, we're called to honor him and to have our hearts rejoicing before Yahweh. Even in verse 5, if you move to the other side of verse 4, we are called to remember the wonderful works God has done. Notice what's happening here. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Remember your God. Verse 5. Remember your God. But verse 4, as you observe the literary movement of this psalm, becomes a very unique message because the invitation is to seek Him. Now, one would think that if you've experienced the faithfulness of God, then you've already experienced and engaged with God. Why would you need to continue to seek after God? A.W. Tozer once wrote, To have found God and still pursue Him is the soul's great paradox of love. I speak to the husbands for just a moment. Regardless of the number of years you've been married, I hope you're still courting and dating your wife. My wife has taught me the importance of not just seeking after her pre-marriage, but now always seeking after her. I had the privilege of marrying, giving away the hand of our oldest daughter this past week. So I was the officiant and the father of the bride. I'm still not over the emotion of that experience. We, we, are, we are blessed with a 25-year-old daughter, a 22-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old daughter. Yeah, I say that every morning. <laughs> wow. We had the privilege of 
marrying off our oldest daughter. And, uh, and my wife is not with us today uh, in person. She is with us virtually. You can turn and wave at her. She's watching us right now. She is, uh, she is house-sitting for our oldest daughter while they're away on their honeymoon. Uh, but as I was even preparing my own daughter for marriage, we had the joy of engaging this undeniable truth. You do not stop seeking the one you love, although you have now found the one you love. That's the paradox. And God has said to Israel, right in the midst of this great hymn, of praising his faithfulness. Seek him. Do not step back. The, the didactic power of this psalm, meaning David went from worship leader to teacher in this moment as he emphasized the importance of truly seeking after God, although you have already found him, or better, although he's already found you. And this is why I believe this is so important. It's as if this one imperative gives this message from God to Israel. You would not be here without him. So you might find it wise to always bring yourself before him. I say to you, dear friend, through the blood of Christ and the redemption of the cross and the emptiness of the grave, you would not be where you are without him. It serves you the best to always bring yourself before him. But I think there are times when our human tendency can attack this one imperative. Do you know that our human tendency is not to seek God if all things are going well? In fact, I'll show you from Scripture how this is a prevailing human tendency from the Old all the way to the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, the Apostle Paul chided the first century church with these words. Why do you think that what was begun in the spirit you can now perfect in the flesh? The emphasis was, why do you think because of all that God has accomplished in you through Christ and his spirit that you can now no longer depend upon him and do things yourself? Paul would say, that's ludicrous. In fact, that's exactly what his conveyance was to the churches in Galatia. And so today we are reminded of that human tendency right here in Psalm 105, when, when in this literary movement of the first five verses, there's a call to remember and praise God for his wondrous works. But in the midst of that, verse 4, seek him. Seek after him. Search for him. And this is a beautiful, powerful imperative that we must cling to desperately. So we have one imperative. What comes after one? Two. Now may I show you two applications of the one imperative right here from this text. First, loving devotion. Second, supplication. One might ascertain, I'm sure I'm seeking God as well as God would have me to seek him. But be beginning to measure that by this text alone may cause one to realize perhaps I'm not seeking God with the ardent spirit that he deserves. 
And so there are two applications right here from verse 4. Within this one verse, one can find two powerful applications to the one imperative, seek him. Application number one, loving devotion. Now focus on verse 4 for just a moment. Search for the Lord. Seek his face. Some translations actually use one term that's synonymous with the other. Seek, search. Sometimes the word seek is used in both places. But once you look deep in the text and in the, and in the Hebrew language, you understand these are two distinct words. They're significantly distinct. And so understanding the distinctiveness of these two words will help us with these applications. Search for the Lord. This comes from an old word, bagash, that actually indicates seeking intently and passionately to find. Loving devotion. Seeking out of desire. Not out of, of ecumenical calling or corporate responsibility. But seeking out of desire. Seek, search for the Lord and his strength. Now, the first half of verse 4 helps us with this first ap application, loving devotion. Because the emphasis falls upon the strength of God. When you understand the full context, you understand that the, the message of Psalm 105 was intended to bring the focus of God's people back to his faithfulness and the deeds he had accomplished, his wondrous deeds, his covenant-binding faithfulness. And when verse 4 reminded Israel to search for the Lord and for his strength, the reminder fell upon that which was very, very personal not just for Israel corporately, but for Israel individually. As if the psalmist would be saying, search for the Lord and his strength, which has brought you to where you are at this moment. Do not think that because his strength has brought you here, that you can continue with some other resource or plan than that which brought you here. No, that's ludicrous. You seek him and the strength he has for you personally. And do so, this term would ring out, with a loving devotion that he truly deserves. I love the message of seek his face. Do you see that at the closing of, of verse 4? Search for him and for his strength. Well, that connotes that loving devotion, that desire, and that impenetrable pursuit of a personal relationship with God through Christ. But when we read in the second half of verse 4, to seek his face always, the idea of face brings us into his personage. And this is why the second application I've listed for you is supplication. 
That sounds like a cold word, does it not? In fact, I, uh, I started to uh, insert the term supplicant, but who wants to be called a supplicant? So loving devotion, application number one, desiring God, seeking after him. Supplication, application number two. And when you measure that phrase, seek his face, you understand from where the heart of the supplicant comes and from where supplication derives. Seeking his face represents seeking his true personage, seeking his presence. The old term in the Hebrew for presence is panim, taken from the more ancient word panah, which means face. The, the application of supplication is that we are lovingly in our devotion seeking God so that we are coming right to his face in his very presence to make our needs and our desires and our yearnings and our praises known. The idea of supplication here references that continual coming before God in a regular practice. This could indicate one's daily quiet moment or devotional time. This could actually indicate corporate worship as well. You see, this word for, for seek, when it's used a second time in verse 4, search, an old word that means to desire, to earnestly seek. And then second, the second word seek actually comes from an old word, dorash, which actually indicates coming regularly to a specific place. So there's almost this sense of a ceremonial, disciplined, worshipful, public approach to God. I hope that today you see yourself as a supplicant, someone who's supplicating and coming before God and truly entering into his presence to bring yourself to him. This is what supplication is, to bring before him. Uh, not just request, but to bring yourself to bring your worship, to bring your praise, as well as your burdens and your needs and concerns. So a second grand application of seeking him is the role of a supplicant coming into God's presence with the pure heart of a worshiper. So verse 4, search for the Lord, earnestly desire him, seek him, come before him regularly, come before his face. Come closely into his presence. When you were young and living at home, or perhaps you still are young and living at home, if your parents attempted to derive from you the attention they felt like you needed to give them, would they not sometimes say, hey, look at me when I'm talking to you? Has that happened to you before? I need you to look at me when I say these words. Well, I'm not sure what your parents intended. I do know what my parents intended. I know what I intend when I say that to my girls now. I want you to really see who it is that's talking. I want you to know that I love you. You need to see it's me. So that when my words come out, you understand how important this is. You see, the reason I don't mind telling my girls to look at me when I'm talking to you, my daughters, is because I'm confident in the love I have for them. They're not going to be disappointed in the love I have for them. I'm not a perfect dad, but I know the love I have for them. So I'm confident to say, hey, look at my face. You need to understand why I'm saying this. I love you very much. And I hear God's heart saying this when the psalmist cried out, seek his face, 
Come before him. See his heart of love and present yourself to him in worship. So two applications, loving devotion and supplication. Now, after two comes three. So can I share with you three facts? These are very important facts that build the context and helps us to understand our call to seek him. And then we'll conclude with four simple questions that will lead us into a time of commitment. I want you to see three very powerful facts upon which all of this, which we have derived thus far, builds. These would become the foundation for why the psalmist was led by God's hand to say, seek him and seek his face always. Notice fact number one. What does it mean to seek him? A single heart of worship. A single devotion of worship. These become the facts that build to that grand imperative, seek him. These can also become the metrics by which we are making the application in our own lives with loving devotion and supplication. These become the groundwork, the foundation upon which all the other rest. Seek him, a single heart of devotion. Back up to verse 1 of Psalm 105. I'd like to back up to verse 1 and take a running start to verse 4 again. We've exhausted to a degree verse 4. So we're going to back up to verse 1. Take that running start so that you'll see each of these facts coming alive from the first three verses of this psalm. This is called contextual study. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Always allow the context to speak so that you can understand what's happening in the verses in which you're studying. Look at verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the people. Notice this single devotion of worship. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. The emphasis here is name. The emphasis here is Yahweh. Again, in the fourth of the five divisions of the psalm, this division will portray the name of Yahweh more powerfully than the others, numerically speaking. In a very numerous way, the focus is on Yahweh, Yahweh. And so verse 1, the call is to give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. This is important. Would you consider for just a moment a single devotion of worship that represents what is transcendent in your life. Now, the, the reason that the context becomes so important is because the fourth book of the Psalms, remember what I shared with you, Psalm 90 to Psalm 106 is the fourth division of the Psalms. And, and because it focused upon the first five books of the Old Testament, really, really deep history of Israel, there's something very significant here concerning Yahweh's name. During this time of history, not unlike other times uh, in Israel's life, Israel was surrounded by other nations and kingdoms who did not honor God. And so the emphasis was God's kingdom over all other kingdoms. His name is above all names. And so notice what is transcendent here in a single devotion of worship. I am bringing my honor and my praise to the one name of God and Jesus. 
There is no other name any higher. The transcendence of worship is I am bringing honor and glory to him. That alone brings a significant motivation to seek him. A single devotion of worship. But notice, not only is this single devotion transcendent, but it's also very opportunistic. Look at the end of verse 1. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. This is almost a, a case of apologetics. Proclaim his name upon those neighboring pagan nations who do not honor Yahweh. Proclaim his name before them that they may know the God you serve. And so the single-hearted devotion references our allegiance to his name, but also our public demonstration of that allegiance so that others come to know him. When that becomes our heart of worship, I assure you, you are on a great path to truly seeking God as the scriptures prescribe. Honoring his name and then allowing that honor to motivate you speaking his name and living that honor out before others. Your single devotion of worship is both transcendent above all other things in your life and opportunistic. So that as you are honoring God with your heart, other people are drawn to him. Look at the second fact. Seek him a covenant relationship. Do you know that seeking him builds upon a covenant relationship? Jesus said in Luke 22, I pick up the chalice and my blood is the new covenant. You're in covenant with God if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's made a covenant with you through Jesus. This fulfills the covenant God made with Israel. And in that covenant, we see a reflection of, of that relationship in verse 2. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works. So understand this in the movement of Old Testament history. Whenever you would hear the phrase, particularly in the Psalter, particularly in the Psalm, a call to tell of his wondrous works, you're hearing the emphasis of God's own people telling the narrative of God's faithfulness and his covenant to them. Every single time there's a reference to tell of his wondrous deeds, you're seeing some historical emphases of speaking the good things, speaking the narrative, the covenant that God has made with his people. This is powerful. So when we understand we're in covenant with God, oh, we will, we will most assuredly be seeking and pressing after him because we understand it's God's work and movement in our lives and in our hearts. And we are yearning for him when this becomes a reality. What a, what a powerful image of seeking after him that we see ourselves in covenant with him. It was uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, who was attributed uh, to saying this once he was having supper and a piece of morsel fell to the floor and his dog lapped it up. And it was attributed to him, and I quote, of saying this, Oh, if I could only seek God the way that the dog watches the meat fall from my mouth. If only I could earnestly desire God in that way. Look at his covenant with you. Look at what he's done through Christ our Lord. How can we not desire him and seek after him? And then a third fact, an expression of honor. Verse 3 becomes such a powerful reminder of what motivates our seeking him, these foundational facts. In verse 3, and this is what we read, Honor his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord 
rejoice. How do we express honor to his name? According to verse 3, we, we honor, we give, we give our praise and our recognition because of the worthiness of his name. When you see the emphasis of honor, you're seeing the call to attribute worthiness. Now, God is worthy. He's honored, whether we choose to do so or not. But for your heart to be encapsulated in this third fact of expressing honor is to say, I am attributing all worthiness to the name of Jehovah, my God, my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And when we give honor in that way, oh, our hearts begin seeking after him more fervently. So these are the three facts. What, is it, what does it mean to seek him? A single heart or single devotion of worship. What does it mean to seek him? A covenant relationship. What does it mean to seek him? An expression of honoring him and attributing worth to him. One imperative, two applications, three facts. I'd like to close this morning with four simple questions. They're going to be very simple. And I pray that you'll allow this call of seeking God to truly settle deep in your heart right now. Question number one. Is your life seeking after God a true experience of worship? Is it worshipful? Are you seeking after God in a way that you would count that seeking as worshipful? Are you truly desiring to be in God's presence for other reason than just to bring him honor and glory and attribute worth to him? Is your seeking after God worshipful? Is your seeking after God prayerful? My grandmother used to say to be prayerful is to be careful. And so I would encourage here in this second question to consider if you're seeking after God is prayerful to the point of being very careful that you are not flippantly assuming you're just walking in and out of God's presence. But that you are with prayer, with humility and surrender of heart, truly coming before him. Yet for the first question to become reality, is it worshipful? Uh, the second question must also uh, be a reality for us. Is it prayerful? Are we truly and carefully coming before God? Not flippantly, but even as Hebrews 4 verse 16 tells us, we can come boldly into God's throne of grace because of what Christ has done. So is your seeking after God worshipful? Is your seeking after God prayerful? Third, uh, this question might seem a bit arbitrary to many, but it must be in play. Is your seeking after God practical? Uh, this is what I intend here, and I believe the psalmist intended this. When the psalmist said, are you uh, proclaiming his names among the nations? Is your seeking after God in such a way that it becomes evident in every part of your life? That it's actually practice. That people know the God you serve. That your seeking after God permeates every part of your being. You're still who you are as God made you, but you also are who you are as God recreated you to be in Christ. And because of who you are, 
is your seeking after God truly become expressed in every part of your being? Is it practical? And then fourth, the question needs to be asked, is it personal? Do you and do I truly feel a personal responsibility? When no one's looking, when no songs are being proclaimed, when the preacher is not teaching, do I feel a personal sense of responsibility and urgency to seek God? There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I encourage you, seek God with all of your heart. Seek his face. If you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, you know that you're at that, at that place of decision, and you've never taken that step of faith. I invite you to take that step today to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I invite you into my life. Because there's no greater way to seek after God than first coming to the Son and opening your heart to Him. So I'm not certain where you may be spiritually at this moment, whether in, in person or watching online, but I, I assure you, if you will say, God, I'm coming to you now through Jesus, He will receive you. And if you know Jesus, if you've trusted Him and perhaps your faith journey has been a bit circuitous and you, you've lost your bearings or there are things in your life that you know God's not honored with. He's waiting on you to seek him and to come to him. As your Abba Father to you, his adopted child. What a beautiful covenant relationship. Church, let's seek after him. Amen? Let's seek him with all of our heart. I'd love to pray with you. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for your word that is spoken. Thank you for the worship that has filled this room. And God, now we uh, turn our hearts to a time to respond to you. And Father, whatever it may be that you're doing in our hearts right now, be exalted as we turn our hearts towards seeking completely and totally after you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said.